please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In his novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray, Oscar Wilde tells the story of a young man determined to hold on to youth and vitality, regardless of the cost to others or even to his own soul. Dorian Gray is incredibly handsome, admired by any and all who know him, not for his character or intellect or humor, but for his beauty. The young man adores the attention he receives and becomes enamored with himself. When a famous artist asks to paint his picture, Dorian is ecstatic, sitting to a deeper obsession with his own beauty. When the painting is completed, Dorian falls in love with the image of himself that he sees portrayed in that work an homage to the ancient Greek myth of Narcissus, another story of a handsome young man who fell in love with his own image. Dorian quickly realizes that he will grow old and die, a consequence of his humanity. The beautiful young person captured in that painting will all too quickly wither and pass. It's the fate a young man cannot accept. And so he makes a Faustian bargain. He pledges to forfeit his soul in return for the assurance that the image of physical beauty that he sees captured in that painting will never fade nor die. For the next 18 years, Dorian life indulging his every whim and desire regardless of the impact on himself or those around him. He rejects the only prospect of true love he has ever known when the young woman whom he professes to love fails to live up to his own expectations of success. In a twinge of guilt, he almost repents, only to discover that the young woman has died by suicide. The grief that he experiences crushes the last remaining elements of humanity within him. As the years pass, Dorian does not seem to age. He remains that handsome young man adored for his physical beauty. The painting that captured his youthful image, though, is transformed from a thing of beauty to the most grotesque image of humanity imaginable. Every act of callous disregard further mars that physical beauty that was once visible in that work of art. It becomes a symbol for the cancer that is destroying Dorian. When the loss of his humanity slowly begins to dawn on him, something starts to awaken in Dorian again, and he realizes that the only way to save himself is to, de to destroy the very thing he has worshipped for so long. Taking a knife that he has used to kill others, Dorian slashes the painting and frees his soul. When his body is found later, he has become the ghastly image portrayed in that painting, and the painting itself has returned 
to its original state of beauty. The story is fantastic, too fantastic, of course, for us to believe, but there is a deeper truth in it, and that deeper truth is a reminder of the truth that Jesus shares in the words that we read today from Mark's Gospel. There is a cost for putting our own safety and well-being ahead of others. Dorian Gray's soul was ripped asunder by his desire to avoid the consequences of aging and death itself. Jesus warns that the only way to find true and lasting life is by embracing death. It's a strange statement, especially coming in light of the previous passage in Mark, in which Jesus presses the disciples to say who they believe him to be. Peter, of course, confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who has come to bring salvation. Culturally, the Messiah was regarded to be the descendant of David, the legendary monarch of Israel. The Messiah was believed to be the powerful figure who would free the people of Israel from foreign oppression and restore the fallen glory of the nation. Jesus turns that understanding on its ear. While affirming Peter's confession, Jesus immediately begins to speak of his impending death. He connects the messianic role with suffering and martyrdom, something the disciples cannot stomach. To them, the Messiah is to embody strength and victory, but to Jesus, the Messiah is to embody something else, true and unending life. And that, Jesus says, cannot be done by avoiding death, only by embracing it. These are hard words for Peter to hear and too hard for him to accept. That's why he steps forward and publicly rebukes Jesus. It's the same word that Mark has used earlier in the gospel when Jesus rebukes unclean spirits. These painful words from Peter come as a slap in Jesus' face. Like any human being, he doesn't revel the idea of death. He's struggling with what he believes to be the inevitable consequence of his ministry. And that's why he responds with such emotion to Peter's statement that this cannot happen. Jesus calls Peter Satan, that is, the accuser, the one who reveals the deepest struggles of his heart. Peter has named the inner turmoil in Jesus' own soul. Jesus cannot and will not resist the idea of his own death. He will not entertain the idea of putting his own comfort and security ahead of the mission that God has entrusted to him. Instead, he will speak truth to power. He will embody compassion and healing for any and all who are in need, no matter their identity or circumstance. And he will build a community of servants empowered to name and resist and transform the injustices of the world. Those actions will challenge the powers that be, and those powers will strike back with ferocity. Jesus will not seek to escape the consequences, for in doing so, he would deny the very truth of the message he seeks to embody. No, he will embrace those consequences. He will accept that death is inevitable, and he will live with integrity in the face of it. 
That's why Jesus commands Peter to get behind him. It's not an insult to Peter, but it's a clarifying of priorities. This is a lesson for Peter and the other disciples. To embody the reign and rule of God means that one must embrace the frailty of human life and the vulnerability that comes with standing up for what is right. That's the only way to find true and unending life, life that makes a real and lasting difference in the world. Faith is a risky act, especially the faith Peter has professed in Jesus. It's about trust and about being willing to suffer for the sake of a greater good. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ bids one to come and follow, Christ bids one to come and die. Jesus' words remind Peter and the disciples of this great truth. This is the same truth that Paul preached to the Romans, that God asks of all of us a deep and profound sense of trust. Trust that God is at work in the world and that we can and will play a part in God's ongoing efforts to redeem and restore the world. Paul points to the passage from Genesis that we heard read today to Sarah and Abraham as the first examples of this kind of trust. They left everything behind to follow the nebulous call of God to journey to a place that they could neither see nor describe. And along the way, God made this outrageous promise that this barren couple could and would have an endless lineage of descendants who would bless the world. It was all too much to believe. Yet while struggling with it, Sarah and Abraham did trust God. That promise has been fulfilled and continues to be fulfilled. Paul argues that their story should give us the courage to trust, to step out in faith. Keenan Lowe's life has embodied that kind of trust. He came from a middle-class family in suburban Portland, Oregon, but his parents divorced when he was just nine. Lowe, the middle of three children, felt a sense of responsibility to his younger brother, Trey, who he wanted to help grow up to be a strong man. And so Lowe worked hard to be a good example for his younger sibling. He excelled academically and athletically, proving to be a star football player and earning a scholarship to play at the local Jesuit high school. And it was there that faith became real to him. And he began to see his purpose in life as part of God's greater struggle to make the world better. At first, Lowe thought he would live out that purpose by being a role model in professional sports. But the needs of family and friends kept him from pursuing a career in the NFL. Instead, Lowe earned a degree in education and ended up being a high school football coach. And it was that role that would change his life. And through it, Lowe would not only save the life of a student, but show the world what it looks like to meet violence with love. It was a warm spring day in May of 2019 when Angel Granados Diaz walked in Park Rose High School in Portland, carrying a shotgun with a single shell inside. 
He had been struggling with severe depression for some time and intended to take his own life in the place where he had experienced the most pain. Keenan Lowe saw Granados Diaz walk into school that day carrying the gun, and he immediately ran across the football field to the building and followed Granados Diaz into a hallway. And he started talking to the young man. And before the young man could stop him, Lowe had wrested the gun from that young man. And then, in an act that stunned Granados Diaz, Lowe wrapped his arms around the young man and held him tightly in an embrace. He completely disarmed the young man, and he began to cry. Authorities soon arrived and took Granados Diaz into custody. He would later be convicted of reckless endangerment and be sentenced to three years of probation, but he would finally get the help he needed to deal with his depression. What could have turned into just another school shooting was prevented before it could happen by Keenan Lowe, whose faith compelled him to risk his own life to save others. In that time, I felt compassion for him, Lowe said. A lot of times, especially when you're young, you don't realize what you're doing until it's over. Lowe's courage illustrates the kind of faith which Jesus embodied and to which Jesus calls all of us. Those who are willing to risk their own safety and well-being for the sake of others are able to secure the kind of life that can never be destroyed or forgotten. It makes little sense in the eyes of the world, which is why Peter struggled so much with it. But Jesus' words call all of us to a deeper truth, one that brings life to us and to the rest of the world. Death is inevitable. But what we do with the lives we're given is ultimately up to us. Jesus invites us to embrace the inevitability of the cross and to live with courage and compassion in the face of it. In doing so, we can and will change the world. Amen.